and welcome to The Bunker, your need to know on news and politics seven days a week with me, Dr. Kate Devlin. Sex sells. Pornography specifically has been the driving force for innovation and the wider adoption of tech by the masses. The adult entertainment industry was a pioneer in online credit card transactions, streaming video and, before that even, VHS videotapes. You could say once the technology works for porn users, you'll often see it trickle down into the mainstream consciousness. But what about AI? Many of us have dabbled in the world of ChatGPT, but how is AI being adapted into the wider world of X-rated content? And what new moral and legal complications are arising from this crossover? Joining me in the bunker is tech journalist and co-founder of 404 Media, Samantha Cole. In 2017, Samantha was the first journalist to uncover the culture of deep fakes, so I can't imagine anyone better to navigate these uncharted waters. Hi, Sam. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Excited to talk today. Excellent. Let's start then with just an overview. What impact has AI had on porn so far? Can you give us a quick example? Yeah, sure. Like you said, like it, it kind of um, started with the deep fakes back in 2017, late 2017, with um, the non-consensual face swaps. You know, it was taking people's porn videos and putting a celebrity's face on their body in a very kind of, at the time, was very you know highly impressively technical. And today is almost looks like rudimentary and <laughs> uh, almost like primitive AI back then. But that was kind of the start of it. And since then, we've seen it explode. Deep fakes are still very much a thing, or people are using the same technology to swap other people's faces onto porn videos. And then we have things like AI chatbots on platforms like Telegram, where you can do like a sexting scenario with someone who's maybe like a famous porn performer or, you know, pretending to be a famous porn performer, or, you know, you can kind of set up your own scenario and your fantasy through text. And that's, that's with ChatGPT. And as far as the visual stuff, we have AI generated porn on sites using open source models like Stable Diffusion, which you can just kind of type in a prompt and then the prompt will bring up whatever your fantasy desires. Um, and these are on sites like MageSpace or Civit AI. They're using um, these open source models to basically make bespoke fantasy porn. A lot of it's very normal, a lot of it's similar to deep fakes where it's you're imagining a celebrity, but a lot of it's really bizarre and strange. <laughs> and we can get into that. But yes. yeah, that's, that's where we're at today. <laughs> Let's definitely get into that. So but from what you're saying, AI is sort of removing the middleman. It's it's democratizing in a way. And people can seek out more niche things, but it's creating all sorts of fantastical scenes just via a prompt. So previously people's desires would need to be fulfilled by producers. It would have be production values involved of some degree. If people can create their own images and their own porn, what kind of freedom does that give users? It gives them a lot of freedom. It's, you know, the limit is basically their imagination. So all AI data sets are based on reality. It's like they're scraping real images. So the AI can only kind of imagine these existing scenarios, but people are pushing these prompts to the limit. You know, they're putting in all kinds of, I think a lot of it was very um, like horror. A lot of it is, you know, just you want to see someone that you know in porn and you can put in, you know, a celebrity's name or, you know, like an influencer or a YouTuber or someone who has a lot of images on the internet. You can put that in and say, oh, put them in this scenario and, you know, the 
the AI can do it. The algorithm can do it. The freedom is everything. It's the entire point of people using these prompts, I think, is to be able to say, oh, I want this particular type of porn, but I can't find it online, even though there's, you know, billions of <laughs> people and scenarios of porn out there from real people. Um, they're like, oh, that's not fulfilling it for me. I want to make something totally new. And I think that's that's a lot of the appeal for for folks doing this kind of thing. Yeah, so anything goes. But I'm also a tech optimist and I want to know, is could there be a positive aspect to this? Because traditional porn perpetuates stereotypes that limits representation. So could it be a good thing that people can create things? Could it be more inclusive if they create their own fantasies? I think so. I think there is definitely, I'm also a bit of an optimist, despite the stuff I cover a lot of the time. Um, I really see this as just the next step in what the internet has done for the past 30 years, which is really expand people's sexual horizons. You know, they're they're seeing things that they maybe wouldn't encounter in their day-to-day life, certainly, but also just things that they, you know, are normative in what people are told that should be what their interests are sexually. It's like, you can go online and find a forum for someone who's very interested in a specific kind of kink or fetish. And there are lots of other people out there that share that same kink and fetish. And I think that's a really interesting part of what the internet does for sexuality is form these communities that say, it's okay that you're into this thing. It's okay that you're searching for, you know, whatever it may be, you know, within, obviously within like legal and moral limits. So yeah, I think that's an aspect that I'm very optimistic about is people finding new ways to express themselves with this technology and finding other people and other people in a community who want to, to play with that of that new interest. So yeah, that's my that's my very optimistic view. <laughs> it is one of the lovely things about the internet is that it gives us a chance to find our tribe. But then you've mentioned this flip side, which is the deep fake angle where anyone's face can be put on these images. So when we talk about issues of consent in AI here, are we referring to a lack of consent from the model, from the person involved for the art? Or are we talking about non-consensual acts or both? Yeah, there are two sides involved in the creation of AI-generated porn and AI-generated art in general. There's the real people whose works are involved in the data sets who are scraped from all over the internet, including places like Reddit, where people post a lot of like amateur porn and social media. And, you know, just there's endless availability of these images out there where people can find, you know, free porn essentially and scrape it into a data set. So there are those people who have their real sexual images in data sets. Uh, And then there's people whose likenesses are being replicated and generated with prompts for making porn, like making porn of specific celebrities. So they're maybe in the data sets as well, but not in any kind of sexual context. It's just like headshots or appearances on interviews and things like that. But then the AI can put together these things basically to give it a really layman's term. It's, you know, they're taking the sexual images of other people and combining it with images of people who have never appeared in porn online and generating a new mashup, putting these things together. So yeah, the the consent needs to go both ways, I think. And this is something I think got lost a little bit in the conversation about deepfakes is, you know, there are people's work being stolen. It's, you know, their, their porn, their videos, that's their livelihood. And that's being used and stolen just in the same way as someone's likeness and someone's face is being stolen. 
We're seeing that in other areas as well. Authors are talking about it. Artists are talking about it. So yeah, this is another example of that, really. Exactly. Yeah, it's a huge conversation within um, the author community. It's like you said, it's people worried about their entire book being scraped and put into a data set and then used to churn out some new thing. AI-generated books themselves are a huge problem on Amazon specifically, you know, people are just using ChatGPT and things like that to create a whole new book that was really not written by a human, but it was based on other people's works. So, and, you know, of course, like with a lot of artists have been raising the alarm about AI generated art because their art is put into these data sets without their consent. That is again, their livelihood. And then it's used to churn out some new thing that they had no participation in. So yeah, there's, there's a couple sides in the consent question that I think need to be considered. These tools, how accessible are they to the general audience, to the general public? Because on more mainstream AI apps like ChatGPT or Midjourney, there are barriers in place that may or may not work to stop the creation of explicit material. So how far do you have to go to find these unrestricted AI tools? Yeah, not very far. They're very popular. So they float to the top if you're searching for this sort of thing. And a lot of these tools are open source. So people can, people do and can uh, jailbreak ChatGPT to remove these guardrails that would stop it from generating sexually explicit chats. And they do the same thing with Stable Diffusion, like I mentioned, which is open source. You can take the code yourself and turn it into whatever you want. And people do that. People then turn that new piece of code that they took that was based on an open source version and offer it to people in a very easy way. So you can just, even if you don't have any kind of coding experience or you're not a programmer, which I'm not, so I was easily able to use all of these sorts of things on sites like MageSpace where you can just like type it into a search bar basically and then it turns it into AI porn. So it's super, super easy. It's You really don't need to be a skilled in any kind of technical background to do this stuff, which, you know, it's, it's got pros and cons to that as well. Yeah. So imagine that you or I see ourselves represented in a piece of AI pornography. Perhaps it's a deep fake. Perhaps it's something much more outlandish uh, of the exact, like the examples you've given. But what protections would we have over our own identity? Yeah, it's a tricky question that I think... You know, we've we've had several years to ask and work on this question, and it's still a tricky question. You can report it as non-consensual porn, and there are some laws, at least in the U.S., against generating non-consensual images, but they're state by state, and a lot of this is happening under anonymous names, using VPNs, or people are based in other countries who are making it. So it's really hard to prosecute something like that, even though it's breaking the law in whatever state you're in, they might not be based even in the country that you're in, and certainly not in a country that would have laws against this sort of thing. So we've seen some some good efforts on criminalizing non-consensual imagery in general. That's something that's seen some progress in the last 10 years. And then with the added AI aspect, there are a few places that are catching up, but it's tough unless you own your likeness like a celebrity would, which would make them, you know, that's they're making money off of their likeness and it's a different kind of legal battle for them. If you're just like a normal person, it's really hard and there's really not a lot you can do short of just emailing the webmasters of these sites and hoping that they agree and can take the content that's based on you down. But it's, t- it's still really tough. 
It is. In the UK, we do have some legislation that's been working in terms of revenge porn, like you say. But there is the attempt via the proposed online safety bill to criminalise deepfake imagery, but that's still a long way off. So like you say, it's really quite hit and miss about what you can do. Are there any ethics, ethical guidelines or industry standards in place that would address the dissemination and creation of these images? I think a lot of the efforts that have been going on with, you know, with regard to ethical guidelines or industry standards within AI are focused more on the panic about AGI, basically. It's like, you know, it's, we're worried about whether or not these robots are going to take over the world. And it's like, we have problems that are actually real right now that have to do with people's lives being ruined by their, their bodies being seen in a a non-consensual porn context. So I think the focus mainly has been on questions of like copyright for art and for creators, which are, they're good questions. And then there's also, you know, it's like, we need guardrails on how smart can the AI get, which I think we have a lot to do before we get to that question. <laughs> yeah, so as far as industry standards, I don't, none that I can even think of. I don't know, I guess if your listeners know of some, email me, but. <laughs> I, mean, I certainly haven't heard of any. And I think yeah. it's one of these things where because it is something that's being done by people with tools that they can readily access, no one's going to be interested in adhering to these guidelines anyway. So it's quite tricky. Uh, and even more widely in, in the AI ethics community, like you say, there's other, it's been a turned, attention is being turned to other areas. But this, you mentioned copyright and, you know, this is something that is very prevalent and Uh, the comedian Sarah Silverman is currently suing OpenAI and Meta because she believes her book was used without her consent to train large language models that generate AI text. So do you think that copyright is at all a concern for the the companies that are generating these images or even the users? I think it should be a concern for the people doing the generating. Last month, I think it was, there was a ruling here in the States that a work of art created by AI without any human input can't be copyrighted under US law, which I think is really interesting. You know, it said that only works with human authors can receive copyrights. And I think this will probably be the precedent for future cases when someone tries to claim copyright over their own AI-generated work. As far as the, the copyright question is, you know, what about my work that's been sucked into one of these data sets? I think there's, there are quite a few lawsuits kind of in progress right now in the States where people are asking that same question. And I think it's still to be seen whether that's going to be something that, you know, users and the creators of these data sets should be worried about. I would say probably, I would be worried about it if I was creating a data set like that of someone's copyrighted work. I would think that's a very clear bad choice. But, you know, it's, it's something that I think the courts will hash out and they will, we'll see more and more of these sort of precedent cases where, you know, a judge says, okay, now we, we have a basis on which to rule future claims around copyright. So it's, it's really, it's a wild time. It makes me grateful that I'm not a copyright lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'm sure they're having a ball. Yeah, maybe they're going to get rich off the back of this. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Some of these companies, uh, platforms, they're putting their content behind paywalls. What responsibility do these platforms have? Uh, Someone is clearly making money from the X-rated AI boom if they're charging Mm -hmm. for access. So who's benefiting here? 
Yeah, I would say the the platforms are definitely benefiting uh, the users themselves. A lot of the times, they are paid by other people to do like commissions, and things like that. So there, there's definitely there there's an economy happening within this world. It's kind of a micro economy that will probably become a macro economy. <laughs> but it's, it's like you said, it's someone is making money from all of this stuff, and I think that that is a really good reason to be a lot more careful about what people generate and what they are creating, especially when we're talking about copyright and non-consensual images that complicates the entire thing. So yeah, this it's, we talked to a few people who they're selling their works basically through their AI generated works and access to them and access to these models on these platforms. And they're making decent money. It's a side hustle for sure. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting to see that play out just as its own little economy within itself. And it's interesting that that's happening because in a lot of cases with anything on the internet to do with sex, it tends to get shut down. And we've seen that happen in a number of different platforms that were no longer allowed to host adult content. So for now, it's making money, but is it going to be a while before, you know, is it going to be a short term thing? Right. Suddenly you know, the government cracks down and says, or the platform cracks down and says, no, you can't show this. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's kind of like a gold rush feeling right now. It's like, let's make money on it while we can is the feeling that I think a lot of people making this stuff have yeah like you said it's like a lot of these platforms don't even technically allow non-consensual porn uh, some of them don't allow porn in general so they're on thin ice already by making this stuff and a lot of the moderation that happens on these platforms is just not good enough where it doesn't catch the stuff that's against their terms of use and so they move to sites or platforms like discord which definitely don't allow non-consensual images but they can get away with it because it's you know under locked chats and less accessible to the moderators so yeah a lot of them self-moderate and that's a big part of it but um you know it's just it's not not caught up yet to where they're actually shutting these things down which you know i think they probably will eventually but you know as as more people start talking about this stuff and gets way more popular i think they'll they'll end up having to deal with the fact that people are making money off of this stuff on their platforms. Yeah, and, you, and you mentioned moderation and that these sites will require moderation. There is some degree of automated moderation, but it only goes so far. So there are actually mm -hmm. real people out there. They tend to be people in the global south being paid a pittance yeah. to sift through quite disturbing right. images. So this is yet another aspect. It often gets overlooked. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a human labor aspect to this that's really interesting too, to kind of to tease out there. Yeah. So you said in your recent article, we are approaching the event horizon of horniness. <laughs> but do you think this marks the end of human porn? I don't. No, there's no way. I think that human porn will always be here. I think anyone saying otherwise is not paying attention to what's going on in, you know, in the porn industry and in the adult industry. People in the porn industry don't want non-consensual porn to exist either, AI-generated or not. So they're pretty motivated to not have this be the next big thing. And I think, yeah, th there will always be human-made porn and a robot can't replicate that no matter what. So, you know, there's, a, there's an aspect to that that's very, people are looking for that human connection, even if it's just a video. They want spontaneity, they want, you know, kind of human give and take that they just can't get from typing a prompt in and generating whatever. I think humans will prevail here. <laughs>
Humans will prevail. That's a good note to finish on. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me in the bunker. Yeah, thank you. This is great. Following my conversation with Sam, MageSpace, one of the sites I discussed in our conversation, have severely restricted sexual images on its service following Sam's expose. MageSpace have now deleted the many channels on its Discord dedicated to sharing these AI-generated images. And if you tried, you would receive the following message. This request was denied due to its high likelihood for abuse and to protect our community. Non-consensual imagery with celebrity names is not allowed on Mage. So good news if you're Taylor Swift, but for the rest of us mere mortals, our likeness is still free to use. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please support The Bunker on Patreon. For as little as £3 a month, you can get extras in addition to that warm, glowing feeling you get from knowing you're supporting handmade independent media. I'm Dr. Kate Devlin. Thanks for listening. The Bunker Daily was written and presented by Kate Devlin, the producer was Liam Tate and the audio producer was Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott, The Bunker is a Podmasters production.